I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Sorry, I love dancing music all the time. <laughs> What's up, AfterBuzzers? Uh, you are watching Hunters Episode 1. Uh, in the belly of the whale. Mm. My name is Nate Miller. I will be hosting here with you today. And of course, I'm not here by myself with my wonderful panel. On my left, I have Janice Nam. You may know hey, her guys. from Good Trouble, uh, Briar Patch. And to her left is Kevin Allen. Uh, you may know him from the after show for High Fidelity and also from Briar Patch. They do that together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How are we doing, guys? Well, Briar Patch is going well. Yeah, it's good to have <laughs> Kevin here with me. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. So let's uh, let's just get right into this. We got a lot Absolutely. to break down. Uh, we're going to talk about Jonah's awakening. We're going to talk about um, FBI agent Millie's investigation, and then we're also going to talk about our mystery man who I did some research, found out his name is Travis, mm. and his uh, secret Nazi mission. We've also got a uh, special segment, some Easter egg hunts for you. And a nice little news segment as well, talking about an Al Pacino interview. Uh, but before we do all that, let's kind of get into our uh, first overall thoughts. Let's uh, start with Kevin. What do you think? I'm a big fan of superhero stories, and this definitely is one. It obviously has a very different tone. It's grounded more in reality that no one has cosmic abilities that we know of yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this, to me, was the first act of a really good origin story. Mm-hmm. And most superhero uh, shows kind of breeze through that part, but mm-hmm. we're really getting to know Jonah. We're really getting to know like Peter Parker, as he someone exactly. referred to him in the episode, yeah. <laughs> before he dons his cape and cowl. Yeah, I felt the same way. I definitely love Logan Lerman as his character. He mm-hmm. has that very likable personality that you know fans are going to adjust to and definitely um, relate to. And I just felt like the cast of the show was just very strong. The writing is amazing. The way it's filmed, just everything came together in the best way possible for the show. And I'm definitely signed up for the entire season. Uh, yeah, I I have some similar feelings. To be completely honest, as I always am, I'm a little conflicted <laughs> with this episode. After watching it a couple times, um, I feel like the pacing is not quite there. Mm. Um, I feel like they're taking a long time to set up a premise that we already know that's what the point of the show is, for yeah. them to hunt Nazis. Um, but like you said, I do enjoy a lot of the tones that are very comic book-like, and viewing it as an o- origin story I think is very cool. There's a lot of parallels. They mention comic books constantly throughout the episode. Um, Yeah, but I think overall it's a great start to the season, a great way of building up this character uh, of Jonah. And so, go ahead. I'll agree that, yeah, the pacing is slow. Like I said, they were taking their time letting us get to know these characters. Uh, This, it's a, what, 90-minute pilot could have probably been an hour? Yeah. (laughs) But I'd like to believe, judging by, like, those last couple scenes where we, we get to meet the team that like, okay, we're all settled in, we know what's going on, we're going to take off. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the advantage of getting all of your setup into this one long episode, mm-hmm. is that when you get into the next one, you can just start kind of yeah. knocking them out. Um, so we start with Jonah in Brooklyn, 1977. He's with his friends uh, Booty Hole and Cheeks. <laughs> his friend's name. <laughs> the other one's name was Cheeks. That. Oh, yes. Oh Booty Hole and Cheeks. It's kind of hard to miss. Booty Hole I caught, but that I didn't realize. just shows how close they are. The pairing. Yeah, it's a Man, team. Jonah got lucky that he didn't get. <laughs> he did not get one of those nicknames. Yeah. <laughs> not that, not that we know of yet, maybe. <laughs> yeah. probably, they might be one hiding. Yeah. That, that would, it would make a lot of sense. Uh, Jonah Heidelbaum is this character's name. Uh, we're introduced to his... You know, somewhat moderate life, uh, living in New York City, 1977. Dealing we drugs. We see he's dealing drugs to take <laughs> care casually. of his family. What did you guys think about that? I was kind of surprised. I mean, he 
especially coming out of the movie theater, he seems like a relatively innocent character. Yeah. yeah. And then he turns the corner. And yeah, he's in, he's, he's in very nerdy and, you know, like into comic books, into Star Wars. I was like, hmm, now he's a drug dealer. I mean, he kind of explained why he was doing it because, you know, his family didn't have enough money. Right. He only had his grandma and his grandma couldn't really get work, which kind of doesn't make sense because his grandma is friends with, um, what's his name? Meyer, who oh, is this yeah. billionaire. Yeah. So they don't have money. <laughs> it, I don't know. That's, a, that's actually kind of a good point. <laughs> yeah, I I am okay with that because, one, he doesn't know anything about Meyer, so it would be kind of weird for her to just have all this money yeah. and he sees that she never really works. Yeah. And, two, I would assume that she's not really working because she's spending all of her time hunting Nazis down. Yeah, or maybe reading. she has to keep like a really low profile. Because, uh, yeah, you know. well, the whole thing screams very covert you know, mm-hmm. under the edge, because he even says later, like, you know, I don't, I'm not working for anybody except for myself, and, yeah. and you know, these maybe these six million clients, you could call it, <laughs> um, because the whole thing, you know, is very legal, yeah. <laughs> even if they're maybe in the morally right kind of gray. Well, so maybe that's why the show's runners decided to make him a drug dealer. It's something that's definitely illegal, but morally gray, right. and it's it shows that he's a character who doesn't, he's not. You know, goody two shoes law abiding a citizen who decides to go dark. Like he was already kind of working mm-hmm. in the dark underbelly of Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it definitely invokes the theme of doing what you have to do, kind of. A thing. I mean, he and wasn't really that. a good drug dealer to begin with. No, That's true. He, was <laughs> he wasn't living the life. No. Yeah, <laughs> and booty hole and cheeks are also awful backup. They just kind of stand there and friends. watch him get beat up. <laughs> Uh, so, like you mentioned, he's got his his softa, uh, yeah. Ruth Heidelbaum, uh, who we learn is very, very important to him. She says a great quote to him that I think is really important. Um, she says, there's always a choice, which kind of mm-hmm. seems like just like a, something your grandma would say to you. But mm-hmm. as you learn more about her uh, and what she's involved in, it, it stuck out to me as a really important line. But I also like to mention that she tells him that he has a very special gift for seeing things that others can't see. Mm. And I think this is kind of where we get the start of our superhero origin story. And this is his, you know, power, not mm-hmm. like, like you said, not like not a cosmic yeah. super strength kind of a power, but he has this ability which we see uh, later on that he's able to kind of see things that other people can't yeah. see. Put clues together maybe quicker yeah. than some other people can. I didn't catch that when the grandma said it, but yeah, when he pointed out the whole bus route thing at the gas, not a gas station, the police station. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he en- he ends up getting arrested because he's because yeah. he's trying to trade the drugs off to find out who killed his grandmother off to these drug dealers. Uh, ends up in the jail and gets bailed out by Meyer Offerman, who he met at his grandmother's shiva, mm-hmm. um, and he was like, you know, we were friends. We met in the camps, which is incredibly powerful. Um, and also, at the same time, he makes a joke about the num- numbers on his arm referring to the amount of dames that he's taken down, which I think really speaks to the um, dichotomy of the show. I think they are trying to approach something that's a very delicate subject um, and at times very heavy uh, and still try to inject some humor into the show because that's the only way you're going to be able to make it through and that's kind of the way that I think a lot of survivors and it's through. it's not like Meyer was making light of having numbers on his arm but he was taking ownership of that's that's a thing that I have in my reality right and I'm I'm gonna yeah. do with it what I can yeah so Meyer bails him out uh mm-hmm. And, of course, when someone bails you out, you go see them. Yeah. <laughs> so he shows up at Meyer's mansion, and it turns out that he is Bruce Wayne. And has yeah. a butler and everything. 
Um, what did you guys think about that reveal? They didn't really, I didn't really get that at all from when we met him earlier. I was kind of like, oh. Yeah, but it wasn't surprising. Not. I mean, he was at the Shiva, very well dressed and put together as someone who uh, is, has money, can afford to be. Mm-hmm. And it's it didn't seem like it was out of character. It was just like, oh, I just didn't realize, you know, at the time. I don't expect mm-hmm. people to be secret billionaires, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It, it wasn't like he showed up in rags at the Shiva and then was like, it was all a ploy, you know? Definitely not a total twist. I think I was just focused on so, all, so many of the other things that were going on mm-hmm. that I wasn't even really thinking like oh Same. he's gonna bankroll this yeah. whole thing and me with my like superhero movie brain I was like yeah of course he would be of course <laughs> one of them is the be- witch yeah. benefactor of course yeah um so uh, he meets Meyer. Meyer mm-hmm. offers him to do a friendly chess game, and then devolves into a incredibly uh, gut wrenching <laughs> story yeah. about uh, this human chess game that was played in one of the internment camps. What did you guys think about that scene? Well, right off the bat, because the chess was a theme in the opening titles, right? You know, mm-hmm. and so that we were kind of prefaced with that. And they're sitting down playing an actual chess game. So I'm I'm starting to expect that this is just going to be kind of a running theme. Yeah. Mm. That the hunters, and now, uh, spoiler alert for the end of the episode, that someone's going to be hunting them. Right. It's going to be a chess match. And if um, Jonah's skill is seeing things and being more strategic, if that's what he's bringing to the table, wow. that that's fits so the whole insightful. chess game. I didn't really realize yeah, that. Yeah, so I feel like that's why they probably chose to go with that representation of the Holocaust, something that is very outlandish and fictional that displays the horrors of the Holocaust, but in a way that is suited specifically to this show and this show's um, interests, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I would even say this show's parallel universe, because this is not our, this is not a documentary, no. this is not a real world, it's and horrible. as much as there are references to real world things, and they do a great job of setting the tone and the setting and just the way the news articles are and the TV yeah. stuff, and it's very mm-hmm. methodically a period piece except for this idea that we're we've kind of veered off into an alternate yeah. universe. Historical sort of fiction thing. is a genre in itself. Exactly. It's been around for decades, centuries yeah. probably. I felt like the chess match, like you were saying, mm-hmm. was a very good dis- depiction of, you know, the hunters and then the Nazis coming together to, like, you know, fight each other. And you can- You're talking about the uh, the opening titles? Yes, and okay. also the game and then the human chess Thematically. match. Thematically. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Because that scene got a lot of criticism for from the Auschwitz Memorial uh, mm-hmm. Organization because they felt like that was just too horrible to depict actual humans in a chess match. And I feel like what you were saying about it being like a symbolism of, you know, both opposing people coming together and like fighting in this world is definitely something that I could see being, you know, acceptable. But guys, it's a lot of, it's like a fine line here to walk and I don't want to cross yeah, it. And but <laughs> that's the, the trick. Yeah, is, I can see where the writer's mind was coming from in that it's, sense. It's a catch 22. You either yeah. depict what actually happened and thus. Uh, traumatize people. Yeah. And, yeah. Or you come up with something that is a um, a more socially suitable substitute, something that uh, ha- gives you the same result as the viewer, but that doesn't traumatize people or make light of actual things that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you run in the risk of, well, now you're you're making light, you're sensationalizing or whatever. Um, so yeah, that they chose the chess theme for a reason. And something that didn't occur to me until you 
just mentioned it. Uh, the opening credits is the hunters versus the Nazis, mm-hmm. and the human chest notch was essentially uh, Jews versus Jews. Mm. And so in the time between then, it, with Richter's completely messed up game, and now in the 70s, uh, the Jews are no longer fighting themselves. They're being forced to fight themselves. They're not being puppeted by these outside players. They they, they're on the... They, they, they put the Nazis on the board and they're in control. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think that's a great um, imagery that's evoked. Um, yeah, just like you said, thematically, I, I think it's going to play into, as the season goes on, this kind of a chess match between the two sides once both the sides yeah. are kind of more developed. Uh, yeah, so Offerman tells him this story about the chess match, about Heinz Richter, who's the guy behind this. Mm. Uh, and he forces this guy named Marcus Roth, who is someone he... Previously, before the internment camp, had a rivalry with uh, in the chess oh, right. world. Oh, right, the Bobby Fischer of Germany. Exactly. Yeah. So and once he got the opportunity, he essentially was trying to enact his revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Roth still won every game, but that comes at a, a very, very heavy, heavy cost. And as we learned, uh, Chava, who was Ruth's sister, yeah. uh, was actually involved in that and the uh, Ruth and uh, Offerman were both there and witnessed um, the game happening and Chava being killed, which obviously was very traumatic for them. We also get a very key point information that Heinz received uh, an X scar on his throat when he was thrashed by Marcus. Um, So a lot, a lot of background stuff, a lot Mm -hmm. of clues that I think we're going to add to more stuff. Um, Also, I want to point out that Jonah checkmates him in two turns, which is kind (laughs) of implausible. Did he really or did he just break the rules? Because there was – I forget how um, Offerman mentioned that. Like, you did it in two moves. Uh, I forget what he yeah. said. He said, like, I'm just beating an old man at his game or something like that. Yeah, and I, so I felt like he just, like, took the queen and went, like, there, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I it don't was, play chess, but it seems very impossible. I mean, you'd have to really play recklessly to get beaten in two and, turns. And you would need your opponent, who uh, you know, and Offerman has played before, like, to do the exact right thing right. Yeah. in your favor. Yeah. So it's just very unlikely. He's just that smart, okay? <laughs> and speaking of how smart he is, uh, Offerman leaves the room and he sees this puzzle box as he, you know, because mm-hmm. when you're in people's houses, you snoop through their stuff. Yeah. Uh, and he sees this puzzle box thing on the shelf and he gets the same kind of decoding thing that we saw That's him do. That's still overused in movies. <laughs> like, I think, I've seen this so many times. I think like, it was I... tasteful. Um, I think they definitely could have... The, the light little shininess mm. I think it could have been overdone I think they did it just enough so you knew what was going on it was a flicker on. not a glow yeah but yeah. it wasn't like <laughs> yeah right all this, oh, I see all the signs they didn't oh, zoom man. in at him or anything. yeah um, so he you know solves the device and sure enough finds the back cave mm. <laughs> because this is Bruce Wayne of, of course there's the always Jews. a back cave and yeah and so he goes down there and gets this information and sees the um these the photo of the car uh finding out all this information and Meyer's kind of like all right here's here's what's up this is what me and and your your Safta, your grandmother were involved in um i had a question but i don't remember so we'll just keep going <laughs> did you see that coming that his grandmother was involved in all these yeah i mean i figured when i mean this is again my main issue with this pilot mm-hmm. is it was so heavily promoted of what the show was mm-hmm. that I already knew 
that it was about Nazi hunters and Al Pacino was leading the team. Hmm. So when I'm, you know, when he's walking up to him, talk, like, obviously the grandma's involved, Some, you know, like, yeah. if I didn't, if I was going into it blind, no, I would have been like, whoa, it's the Batcave. I was like, Five percent blind. I don't really watch trailers because they tend to Good ruin for everything yeah, for me. I wish that's, I wish that's that's the lesson is. <laughs> don't don't yeah. watch trailers. Just enjoy stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he gets this picture, runs and gets the soup, which is not his grandma's soup. That yeah. scene was actually pretty sad. It yeah, was. it was. I feel bad Very for him. Great too. job from Logan Lerman on Absolutely. that performance. What What do you do when? The guy's like, this is not chicken, chicken soup. soup. Like, it is the chicken soup. The soup did look kind of crappy. <laughs> no, the like, soup looked had, like, terrible. had like three spaghettis. And then I was like, there's no chicken in this, first of all. I was like, why did he go to that diner? <laughs> yeah, he's just the first one he could find and then <laughs> ask for chicken soup. Um, so he goes, he finds the balloon. He remembers that he saw the balloon when he was going through Ruth's stuff earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then he decides to go through the phone book, as you do, to find the balloon, ends up finding Richter's toy place, goes in to confront him. That whole scene, this, to me, the last 20, 30 minutes of the episode were the best. Yes. Because the pacing was better. The dialogue throughout is really consistent. I just feel like sometimes it's a little Mm long-winded. And I feel like towards the end it was much more succinct and to the point. Um, what did you guys think of that kind of scene where he confronts Heinz and he's like trying to play I innocent? I never expect, expected that Heinz was a bad character. Really? Because he was so kind to the kids. Like, oh, I'm going to get you the doll when he comes in next week. Then when Logan Lerman's character, Jonah, starts like threatening him, I'm like, leave the poor man alone. Like, I did not see that coming. Then he like switched in like two seconds. I was like, oh my God, this is not happening. The guy put up a really he good really did. front. Like, I was like, I, I'm sitting here going, no, it's the wrong man. It's yeah. like his the son or somebody who works for him or like it's you got the wrong guy I, I thought it was Jonah going in blind and reckless and yeah. that he was going to make a mistake yeah but his mistake he was, was not. very yeah. right turns I out I wonder how he, he knew right. that that was the guy though um there's a couple clues he in the photograph he sees the car with the balloon mm-hmm. which is the same balloon as the shot but also uh, Heinz is in the photograph as well wearing the hat oh I totally didn't oh. see him and it's kind of the same shadowy figure that he sees when I he comes coming down the stairs and he sees somewhat what happens when Ruth is killed um, so there are some clues there that kind of I just assumed he was trying to like match the voice put it together it was like it sounds like him kind <laughs> Wait, of had he heard him well yeah he heard, he heard him being like, oh, how did you yeah. find me how did you yeah. find me when, when uh, the, ver- the very top yeah. of the show so I just I thought he like was ninety percent sure, but that last ten was yeah. holding him back, and it was holding me back because I was like, "You might have the wrong guy." <laughs> um, but man, wow! When that when he woke yeah, up in that room and the red lighting and everything, that was scary. <laughs> yeah, the darts. Oh man, oh, what a way right. to torture someone! I yeah. feel like the writer is very oh, creative man. with his torture methods, which is very exciting for me. Sorry, like, <laughs> I love a lot of like uh, horrible things. <laughs> <laughs> I just and appreciate that I it's creative. I love horror movies. I love horror movies. Yeah. I love like it's... you know gore and things like that. So I just uh, love how creative it is. I'm on the opposite I, end. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I can't do the gore, and I'm actually glad that this show is able to. This is why I feel like tonally it's kind of unsure where it wants to go because it sometimes it feels very pulpy Tarantino esque, mm-hmm. but it never really quite goes that far. Um, you know, we'll talk about the bowling scene later, but with this scene... You don't like, think it goes that far? I, I, well, that scene could... It, the whole thing There's could be much bloodier. always across. an element of, of camp with Tarantino, and this mm-hmm. one is no camp. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. just straight up gritty and yeah. painful. I don't know if I agree with that. No? Oh, I think, okay. I think I think to... 
I think par- sometimes it is very gritty, and I think sometimes it's. I don't think we've seen that much of that yet. Spoiler: I did watch the second episode. No, um, <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything about it. But I think as the show goes on, I don't know. We'll have to. Mm-hmm. I think at the end, I will decide <laughs> how I feel yeah. if it's really. But that's or true, not. though. In the beginning, when after the guy kills everyone at the pool party and uh, the butcher, uh, yeah, what's his name? Uh, Travis comes and like shoots him in the arm. That's kind of funny. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, there are some elements. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm FM to get started. Again, like you can't, it can't just be straight serious because that would one be super depressing to watch, and two, like it would just be super depressing to watch. Mm. Like no one, you know, yeah, they're not, just, they're, there was never a moment in any of the violence uh, usually done by the Nazis in this, which I now that I think about it, it's probably very intentional. Yeah, where I was like, like the whole time I was like, oh my god, just like it, just I was cringing. It was very visceral for sure. Yeah. And just raw and brutal, um, and there was there was never a moment I was like having fun watching people get murdered, which is a weird thing to say. <laughs> but you know, we've seen movies. Yeah. But I think to your point, a lot of that has to do with so far we've only really seen Nazi violence. We haven't seen the hunters killing the Nazis that much. You've seen one. So I think yeah. once we get to that, that is where you're allowed. When you're killing the bad guy, you're allowed to have a little bit more fun with it than mm-hmm. when the bad guy is you know killing an innocent person yeah. or something. Uh, yeah, so Heinz, or not Heinz, Offerman comes in and saves him, mm-hmm. uh, stabbing the guy right through his scar to the back mm-hmm. of the neck, which was brutal. That's the most yeah. blood we got in the episode. <laughs> um, he gives him this great speech about only the dead know the end of war, which is something we mm-hmm. had heard uh, previously. Um, and then he says a line, this is one of the few lines I actually have a, a an issue with and the more I think about it the more it bothers me Mm, he says to Richter you mistook us for pawns when all this time we've been kings Mm. of course referencing chess and at first I was like oh cool chess reference and then I went wait a minute the king is outside of the pawn the most useless piece on the chess board the the bishop the queen (laughs) all of them can do more things are more valuable Mm. I mean, the king is obviously what you want to protect to win, but that's not in a war. You don't want to be the one that is like defenseless and has to be protected. Yeah, it's it's a weird analogy, but like, there's no like you know maybe with knights it works, but you can't. It, it would be weird to say queen <laughs> for yeah. sure. It'd be weird to say or queen. rooks or anything bishop. No, you, we were bishops this whole time. Like it just doesn't. <laughs> it just has to be said know, that way. I know, and but I, I, I I see your point, yeah. and it's just it is. It's, what it is. I'm being very nitpicky. I appreciate the <laughs> commitment to the chess theme, 100. percent I just like. <laughs> Do you guys play chess? That's all. That's my question. Um, so fired. yeah, we get to uh, he comes back with him back into the lair, and turns out there's another part of the lair we didn't see last Second time, door. 
uh, where there's more Nazi stuff. Uh, we find out Richter is the seventh kill that they've made. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also see the lady who was gassed on the board as well. Uh, so we know that they were involved in that, if there was any doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end, he gets to meet the rest of the hunters. In the yeah. secret room within the secret room. In the, the, in the, room. the third <laughs> level, the ultra super secret doghouse. So, now we know he's like really in it. Oh, yeah. He's he's in it's it now. Official. He got a toast and everything. <laughs> um, and we see that the hunters have been have been there the whole time. Yeah. What did you guys think about that reveal? That was a cool reveal. I was like, okay, this is the fun I signed up for. Like, oh, all the time that they've been there and the shadows, like, he's been part of the team all the while. They've been doing the secret covert ops mm. thing this whole episode. We just didn't know it. And I'm so stoked for the next episode to see this team in action. I'm not a fan of the whole reveal at the end because I felt like they didn't give us a lot of, you know, clues in the beginning to be like, oh, you know, this person was around. You just didn't see them. It was just like, oh, it was just, you know, so close up that they were out of shot. And it just didn't make sense to me. I was like, you could have at least shown us a clue or two that these people were watching him. It was just like out of nowhere that, oh, they've been there all along, remember? Yeah. There was only one who was I ever saw, saw on screen yeah. prior yeah. to that. You, you see, I, I, don't, I don't have all our names, right names either. Theory, but you see the Asian man uh, we see him twice. Yeah, it's the, very diverse. The elder couple, really like. we see them at the Shiva. Oh, um, there was a shot of them? Yes. They're it. in the background. Missed that it's, clue. Again, I watched the episode two and a half times. <laughs> so if you're watching it the first time, you're probably not. You mm. know. The second time, I'm like I probably looking that. for them because uh, I know okay. that they're in those scenes because I've All seen right. it again. Um, but as much as I, I understand where you're coming from of like wanting maybe a little bit of more uh, lead into that reveal I think it kind of speaks to the nature of the team and how they are good at being covert that like yeah. you don't know that they're there until you find out that they're there That's true. Um, and I also like that they gave an explanation as to why he showed up to sh- save him right at the right time mm. because he had someone following him so he, he could know keep tabs on him yeah, keep, keep more trying um, but why didn't they <laughs> when he got caught up with all the drugs in his hand when he went to trade with the devil people mm-hmm. the gang hell's devils, yeah, hell's devils. very unoriginal <laughs> Why didn't one of them intervene and be like, hey, you know, don't get him arrested? Well, I, like, I don't know what that? they could do. They're in there. Okay. And also, that's not as. That was before he kind of got on the track of Heinz Richter and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, because that was, you know, obviously he didn't get bailed out by Offerman and go see him until after that. Right. So I think afterwards, once he took the picture and took off, he was like, because yeah. we see him Probably. after he runs, the first he doesn't chase after him. He goes and picks up his phone, mm-hmm. presumably to call the members of the team to be like, "Hey, we need to watch this kid." And they all know who Jonah is because they know who Ruth is. So mm-hmm. obviously, they're going to know who the grandson is. Yeah. I wanted to point out the nun character that was sitting down. That kind of reminded me of uh, Watchmen. I don't know if you guys have watched mm-hmm. Watchmen. I Regina did, King's I did the character. After show. Make sure oh, really? you go watch it on YouTube. That's amazing. Yeah, Regina King's character is called uh, Lady... Sister Knight. Sister Knight. Sister Knight. And it was just a really good parallel to see, you know, another nun character in this <laughs> a one. badass nun. I wonder what nuns have to do with, you know, revenge and stuff like that. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> um, so let's get into some of our other B-plots. Uh, we have... 
we're introduced to FBI agent Millie Morris. Uh, mm-hmm. As one of the officers says as she's walking through, the Black Cape Crusader is what they call her. Again, another mm-hmm. superhero reference. Um, she kind of gives off this vibe of being a very efficient agent who maybe is kind of being kept down and not given the opportunity she really should be. Uh, she gets assigned to this case in Cape Canaveral to investigate Greta Fisher, who was killed by gassing mm-hmm. uh, in her shower. That whole sequence to me, first of all, I was surprised that they just went full nude, just like yeah. let it all out. I mean, they warned us in the beginning. They were like, this is not the show you should watch with kids. <laughs> yes, there is a big, big warning up at the top. Um, how did you guys feel about that scene? I mean, it was uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. And not just because she's nude, but the low angle they went at, <laughs> pulled what? Pulled back. Yeah. Like, you're not, there's nothing, there's nothing, um, like action oriented or <laughs> spectacle related it was just mm. this is what's happening and you're watching this woman suffocate inside of her shower yeah, that's tough um and she's just because we are spectators she would be embarrassed to be nude seen dying this way it it just made it that's what I was saying earlier like it was raw mm. it, there was nothing flashy about it it was just murder yeah, yeah. Sh- um go ahead you kind of expect you know being protected in your shower, sort of, you know, and also you're your, your most vulnerable Definitely. in the shower, so it's very scary for me, even though I like seeing people get killed on TV. Let's specify <laughs> that. Um, but it was very, it was a very creative way to kill someone in the shower, <laughs> and I really enjoyed that part of it, but I really felt like, um, I also felt like the actress who played the part was very good with, like, her emotions and, like, being this character that you don't really quite know if it's, if she's, you know, um, the good guy or the bad guy, and mm. then we find out later that, you know, she's definitely not someone you should root for. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, you know, let her go. You know, she's innocent and all that. First, so first Morris goes to uh, NASA because she was a NASA employee to ask about Greta. Uh, and of course the NASA guys are like, we're going to lie to you and not really tell you anything because it's classified. Um, but really interesting conversation she has with the other scientist guy as she's leaving. And he tells him, tells her that, you know, it, it, to get the answers you're looking for, you have to find the last person who came and asked about her because you're not mm. you're not the first person, uh, which is an interesting. It's like a clue, but not not really a clue. He's not really giving much away, um, but it is some you know some character motivation for her. So she has somewhere to go. Yeah. It kind of begs the question: like, does this NASA scientist like is he aware of the hunters and everything that they're doing? Mm. You, you know, because because basically yeah, what he's implying good. is like somebody. Somebody else came to talk to her, the, presumably the people who murdered her. So if yeah. you track down her murderers, then you'll be able to figure yeah. out what happened to her. I, I read it more as there is something fishy about that situation, and so there have been other discussions about her. Whether it was the hunters who, you know, it probably was, given context of the show, mm-hmm. or whether it was some other immigration-type thing. Uh, wanting to question about how she got into the country or something like that. Um, also, she, they do mention that her brother also emigrated with her, mm-hmm. uh, who we, you know, on the board, we see that he also has been killed by them as well. Um, so kind of a little lead into some more stuff that they're going to cover. Uh, find the first you find me looking for. So, yeah, Agent Morris ends up going back to the house, looking for clues, um, f- finds the Bible, right next to the armchair, which, of course, is a great place to keep your Bible, flips through it and finds a picture of her with Hitler, which is kind of just like, all right, I guess she was a Nazi. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) and she's also holding, like, a gas canister, and Mm. NASA talked about how she was a chemist, and so 
I mean, I'm assuming she that she was involved, yeah, involved in the creation of the gas, and that's why they gassed her as well. Yeah. And you can even tell I, I in thought, that I scene, absolutely thought that she has a moment where she kind of like smells it, and she goes, "Oh shit!" and then tries to cover it because she knows oh, what it is. Yeah. Um, really, really interesting. I can't believe I didn't notice the gas can in the picture. Like I, I pointed it's out that like the really wallpaper smart. had a swastika in it. Like yeah. I noticed that clue, but I don't notice the design for this show. The ones in the photographs, stylistically, yeah. and also a very consistent running theme is red with all of the Nazis. Red car. The bathroom is all red. The red balloon. Um, you'll see it as we kind of continue on through. But anytime there's Nazis involved, there's a lot of red. In the room, in the in the clothes, in the details, it's very very interesting. Um, I love that kind of stuff. So the other plotline we're going to get into here is uh, our last B plot. We have starts off, you know, in the beginning we see Biff Simpson with his family having a nice barbecue uh, until you know his friend brings his wife over, who's a Polish Jewish woman uh, who survived the Holocaust and sees Biff Simpson and goes, "You're a Nazi. I know who you are." <laughs> and of course, blows his cover. And since he doesn't want his cover blown, he's just been promoted as the undersecretary. Uh, he pulls out a gun and kills his whole family: the kids, his wife, uh, the neighbors that were there next door. Man, that yeah. was. What did you guys think of that scene? It was I didn't awful. think. I didn't think he killed the kids until later on. I was like, he actually killed the kids. Yeah. Like this is crazy. I saw because my when he shot. Um, the first person he shot was the his friend who had brought the Polish woman uh, and I was like my first thought was like oh my god he did that in front of his kids all three of them and then I heard pop 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 and I was Everyone. like oh my god <laughs> I'm glad that they didn't show the kids because that would I think that would have been because even when he came back to it uh, later when yeah, his when, cleanup crew or whoever yeah. that was showed up and I saw them floating in the, in pool. the pool I was like this yeah. is the guy's a monster yeah. I think it's a a great scene to set the tone yeah. and just like you said monster I think is the key word showing these characters that can completely flip from who you think they are into this their real form mm. uh, kind of on the drop of a dime was actually kind of terrifying to me it was just you know a little too real mm. um, and again this is where we get this quote that he says to her of you know, she, she says the war is over. He says, you know, the war is only over for the dead, mm. um, which I think is going to be a theme that kind of goes on through the show. So I, there's something about that that didn't click until just now that coming from him, it's almost saying that, like, we're never going to stop ever and you like until everyone is dead. Whereas when uh, Pacino's character, Offerman, said it. It almost seemed like sage wisdom that like about just the futility of war. Yeah. And it's interesting how the, I just yeah. thought that was neat because it's it's very two polar opposite characters mm-hmm. on different sides saying the same idea, um, but the tone and the perspective completely shifts the meaning. Just like you said, yeah, very very interesting. Um, so we meet this other character. They don't name him on the show, but I cheated and I looked on IMDb. The character's name is Travis Liked. Uh, we see him get a call. He's chilling in a heart shaped bathtub in Maryland, red room. <laughs> I'm from Maryland, by uh, and they tell him to he's gotta go. Or I'm sorry, he's he's in DC. He's gotta go to Maryland, mm-hmm. meet Biff Simpson, shoot him in the arm, so he, in the left arm, so he can still beat off with his right arm. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, that's just not a good word coming out of that guy's mouth. <laughs> yeah, uh, this guy's terrifying. Yeah. So we see him do a couple things. He gives him a mission to go uh, convince this congressman, which of course we see him confront in the bowling alley. Uh, just completely 
brutalizes these guys mm-hmm. with a bowling ball, threatens this guy's child, and he's like, by the way, I went to go visit your kid, and I scared the shit out of him. I told him I'm, I'm the scary thing under his bed, um, <laughs> and convinces him that he needs to uh, change his vote to pass this law. It is a law um, lifting sanctions of South American trade or something like that. I didn't write it down, but something that I'm sure is going to play into effect as the season kind of goes on. Uh, He eventually, after uh, being successful, we we get like a news report saying that the congressman changed his vote and the law passed. Uh, He gets a call in the laundromat and he just knows that the call is for him at the payphone. And no one calls a payphone, you know. (laughs) They have connections everywhere. Yeah, Yeah. that's kind of I think the inferences. So he goes to visit this uh, colonel who turns out to be a female colonel. Which I'm kind of confused about. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that they give some more clear, clarity on this because the Third Reich was not necessarily known to be kind to women. There were definitely uh, female members of the Nazi Party. Mm-hmm. I'm I have to do more research. I'm not sure about like leadership and that far up, especially military wise. Um, but she tells him that their plan is to make a Fourth Reich because of yeah. course it is and take over the world because that's what Nazis do. Um, also, she sends him on this mission to find out who is killing the uh, hidden Nazi members who, you know, we have seen, Hans, Richter, Gretel, etc. So he is sent out on this mission, presumably to chase after our hunters. Um, what do you guys think about this character overall, real quick? I think he covered it, and he's terrifying. He's very interesting. Like, I'm very interested in seeing where what his backstory is and how he became, you know, this Nazi machine or like a Nazi weapon, per se, because he I think kind of covered it. Yeah. They already did. <laughs> it was the top did. of the episode. They were talking about Darth Vader, remember? Mm, and exactly. Jonah was saying, like, Darth Vader wasn't born Darth Vader. Yeah. He was, he was given all this propaganda yeah. and became a mass murdering monster. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's Travis. I think he has the potential to definitely flip sides. In my opinion, like from what I'm seeing, because we, we haven't seen that. we haven't seen any like emotional, you know. Yes, we have. Where <laughs> the very end of the episode, they were both like crying yeah. for saying Heil Hitler. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, mean, in, in a they're... human sense, like in the day to day sense, like he's just like very close. I don't off. think he has a day. He's very close. I think the Nazism <laughs> is his day to day. The one thing I'll say to him that I think is really interesting is this: we get this again dichotomy of we have the young Jewish man being brought into the hunters, and now mm. all the other Nazis we've seen are actual Nazis who emigrated over here the older guys from 30, 40 years ago mm-hmm. and that, this guy clearly was not there at the time yeah. he's a younger dude um, and that is my question Is I'm really curious to see his background of how he kind of got involved in this and how they cover that aspect of not not just the Nazis who came from Nazi Germany and they're still here and they're still pro-Nazis but the non-Nazis who were like you said converted either through propaganda or maybe his dad was some big Nazi general or something mm-hmm. like that um, I'm really curious to see how he plays. Obviously, I think they're setting him up to be kind of like the, the main bad guy for Jonah to be up against in these kind of two yes, two sides. Absolutely. But, yeah, so that's our recap of the show. We've got some uh, segments before we get out of here. Uh, first, let's get into our special segment. Uh, we've got an Easter egg hunt. What do you got for us? Yes, guys. So, okay, let's let that play. <laughs> so if you were paying attention during the show, you might have noticed the mention, the son of Sam Killer maybe in the background during new segments like that on the show. And so we're going to give you guys a little backstory on who this person is and why he's relevant to the show. So basically back in 1977, which is the time period when this show is happening in New York, there was this guy named David Berkowitz who was a postal employee, and he was like about 24 years old. And so 
he was charged for killing six young women who were either, you know, beautiful and had, like, long brown hair. And because of this, a lot of, like, women in New York would cut their hair and dye it because they didn't want to be targeted by this guy. And so um, he went on with his killings, and when he was asked why he did it, he said his neighbor's dog (laughs) told him to do it, and basically the dog, he said, was possessed by this demon, and the dog, the demon in the dog was basically telling him to commit all these murders. But either way, he got tried and got imprisoned, and I didn't really get the full backstory of it, but this is really important for the show because while all of these, you know, hunting killings are happening, there's also like a very, you know, dangerous uh, serial killer out there. So... Yeah, yeah the reference is important because it, it adds more context to, especially not just the time period of 77, but especially New York, mm-hmm. the issues that they were dealing with. In 75, uh, they had a massive budget cut for the police department, so they lost 5,000 beat cops. Um, so that's why you see the cops are like, we're overwhelmed. We're doing the best mm-hmm. we can. There's so much stuff. You see, we see um, the eight, our FBI agent on the train. She gets confronted by the guy. She's That's got her true. gun already ready to go. There's graffiti everywhere. Uh, just like when we see uh, the gangsters hanging out in the burnt out building. And yeah. there's a, and during that time period, there's unprecedented amount of right. burnout buildings from crime, but also just from uh, fraud from mm-hmm. uh, building owners who burned it down for the insurance money because the mob was huge at that time. So there was a lot of crime going on that's leading to this environment that creates this toxic situation mm-hmm. where they're not going to investigate this death because it's the For least sure. of their worries. And the hunters can better, you know, hide. And exactly. So if you're interested, read more about Son of Sam. It's a very yeah. interesting case. Actually, a lot of law precedent based on that, uh, but I'll let you guys discover that. Uh, we've yeah. also got some news to get into. Kevin, what you got for us? Yeah, just something a little lighter note. <laughs> so um, Al Pacino was at a Q&A in London recently, and he basically was plugging streaming services and why he really enjoys working on it. This is his second project of the streaming service, the first one being The Irishman for Netflix, mm-hmm. which was still just a film. This is the first one that he's done It's 12 hours this of This is footage. like his first yeah. TV show. He did a miniseries for HBO, the Kevorkian thing, but nothing this, like this. this. Yeah, this is probably his first ongoing series, at least in, in decades. Yeah. Um, anyway, he said he really enjoyed working on a streaming project. Uh, it was like the old days of cinema with Francis Ford Coppola and Sidney Lumet. He sa- said, quote, you don't get to rehearse anymore. Rehearsals are gone. If you can find a film, if you got a film that rehearses, let me know. Mm. So he really enjoyed getting to spend time with his cast, getting to know them, getting to know his character, and really getting to be in the role for more than just the uh, the quick turnaround that film shoots often are. Um, he did five months with the Hunters cast just for this season, wow. and there's season two is probably on the way, and I'm sure he'll be back for it. Um, the only change he mentioned was that there's different directors, and you got to adjust and different uh, work, styles, work yeah. with them. But he said that was fun too because it reminded me of my old days with mm-hmm. the uh, the Living Theater. It was an experimental avant garde theater in New York, so he's kind of harkened back to his original works and mm. the that nostalgia for him. Yeah. So he's a huge fan of getting to work for streaming projects now. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah, I think the streaming, you know, kind of boom kind of mirrors the TV film boom not in the exact way, but in the way of it's kind of a new space, kind of the Wild West, kind of everything goes. Yeah, so yeah and it's, it's hear him say that. very exciting for for someone who's probably had a 50-year yeah. career. Yeah. Multi, multi-generational yeah. entertainer. Uh, so real quick, we don't have much time. We're going to do some ultra-fast predictions. Your After Buzz TV predictions. Mm. 
Uh, Kevin just talks, so we're giving him a break. Janice, what you got? All right. I think Morris, the FBI agent lady, is definitely going to be another person hunting the hunters. I don't think she's going to join them in any way. She's going to want to bring them down moving forward. I, I get that vibe from her, too. She's yeah. very, seems she's like very straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With the Son of Sam thing you mentioned, it's it's kind of a perfect setting. I, the whole time I was wondering, like, why are they setting this in 77? Um, obviously, it's because some Nazis can still be alive right. then. But also, you pinpointed, I think, like the Son of Sam being a distraction. They kind of takes the element of having to worry mm-hmm. about the logistics of the police getting involved out of the way so they can just have their... The, and I mean, the writers can just have their fun in killing Nazis. Yes. Um, but that will be like the wrench in their plan that they have to deal with is Morris. Um, I don't want to think about what Travis is going to do. <laughs> he's just going to keep... I mean, he's going to be a very formidable opponent. We've seen him be threatening. We've seen him be intimidating in his force. He's not really the thinker that Jonah is, but I'm sure he's going to catch up to him at some point, and then it's going to be brains versus brawn or brutality, I guess. Mm. Let's see. Yeah. Um, I don't really have too many predictions. I feel like this was so much of a setup that there's not too many threads to kind of predict mm-hmm. on. Um, I do think the Travis confrontation, whenever that comes around, is going to be very interesting. Um, but like I said... This is not a prediction as much as something I'm looking forward to seeing. I'm really, really curious about the backstory um, of Travis and how he got involved in this and how he got so radicalized. Um, and again, also with you know, Frau Colonel, um, how did she get to where she's at? What is this plan to actually enact the Fourth Reich? And, and um, how how does this tie into the whole political thing with, with you know, I, have a, I think Biff Simpson is not, this is not a throwaway character. I think he's going to be around mm-hmm. and be involved. And so how is this character who has this political uh, power, what, 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 what is the South America thing? Why do, what are they trying to get from South America that needs to come through? These are the questions that I have that I have no answers for yet. I'm definitely here for Travis's character. The actor who plays him is amazing and I cannot wait to see, you know, what else he does. Yeah, the the intensity of the of the Sig Hiles at the end was yeah. like, you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You're a cuckoo nutcase. He's probably a sweetheart in real life. <laughs> yeah. Not a, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I hope that he's nothing like that character. In fact, I'm very confident that he's not. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to do it for us before we get out of here. Uh, where can the people find you, Kevin? I'm on Instagram at Kevin Allen Graham and Twitter at uh, Kevin Allen Says. I'm on the Briar Patch After Show, and I'm also on <laughs> Good Trouble tomorrow, so come watch me. I'm on Instagram at NiamJanis, N-Y-A-M-J-N-I-C-E. See you guys next week. Uh, and guys, my name is Nate Miller. You can find me everywhere at Dog Like Nate. Make sure you come find us next week, tomorrow, yeah. whenever the next one <laughs> comes out. We will definitely let you know. Stay tuned, okay? Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or... 